join us while we worship.
has done great things. We dance in his freedom. Jesus said, come to me. Those who want to drink will never thirst again. Rivers of living water shall flow out. As we sing these lyrics, I invite you to remember
disillusioned, I was lost and insecure, and still mercy fought for my attention. You were waiting at the door, and I let you.
Father, you are worthy of praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So, Lord, we honor you. We worship you. We're before you as sons and daughters and friends and family. And we're here with hearts open, Lord. We're just saying, do what you need to do. Do heart surgery today. Do a surgical strike today in our hearts. We love you. We lean into you. We draw near to you with the promise you will draw near to us. We bless you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's do that again one more time. Say thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So good to see everybody. It's good to see you, but it's even better to worship with you. I mean, this is such a sweet time. So thank you for being here today. I want to welcome you here to the bridge. My name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. And we are thrilled. We, as a family, are thrilled that you're here. And we're thrilled to be together. And, uh, and you know, I, I've been so encouraged by things beginning to lift and loosen with, you know, restrictions and all that. And just so thankful. So thankful for one is that I live in Fredericksburg, Texas, and, and we've been able to capture some semblance of normal while so many others have been really locked down on things. And so 
I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to live in America. I'm just saying, I am grateful for it. So as we get started today, I want to just welcome those of you who are new to the bridge. Again, my name is Jimmy Pruitt, lead pastor here, and just want to say thanks for being here with us. And for those of you watching online, I want to invite you and just say thank you and welcome you to the bridge online. And uh, we want you to feel a part, so we would invite you to participate, sing along, participate in communion, which we're going to do in just a little bit. So feel free to get those elements together so that you can participate with us while we're doing that. And, and, uh, and two, if you need prayer, you're online, but you, know, you don't have the ability to get down here to, to a prayer partner, but we want to pray for you. And so anything we can do to encourage you in that. And if you look on your screen, info at bridgefbg.com. And uh, send those prayer requests in to us. We'll get those out to our prayer team ministry, and we will pray for you and hold you up. We want to stand with you. Whether you're with us right here or whether you're watching online, we're, we're together in this thing. So, And for those of you that are here and that are with us, all you need to do on your way out is you can stop by the Connect Center there on the way out. Fill out a prayer card, put it in any of the black boxes, or give it to the person that's there at the Connect Center. We'll get that, and we'll get you on the prayer list. And we want to pray for you. Or if you want to write in, you can always write us info at bridgefbg.com. We'll get that over to Brenda and the team, and uh, we'll be praying for you and lifting you up. So thank you again for being here. Could we welcome our first-time guest with a hand clap? Again, thanks for being here. One of the things that we always like to do, uh, but just before we pray, but also just to say, if you are a first-time guest, Winnie's got our bag there. It's just a gift bag. It's to say thanks for being with us. And if you'll stop by the Connect Center and fill out a Connect card on the way out, they'll give you a bag. It's got all kinds of goodies in it. So Now, if you're here and you have your VIP card, I want to invite you to pull that out right now, have it handy. If you don't have one on your way out, stop by the Connect Center. They're laying right there. Pick one up, take it home, and it's 14 spaces. There's seven on each side. And the idea here is that VIP stands for very important people. And there are people that are in your heart, on your heart, in your relational orbit, who you love, who you value, and who are they're very important people to you. And you may have a, a heart for them and a desire to see them come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. There's seven blanks on one side, and it's praying for salvation. We want to pray for people by name so that we can pray that God will open doors for them. And then on the other side, we're praying for a reconnect. So people that maybe for whatever reason, they've gotten away from the Lord, they've gotten away from fellowship and connection. And, uh, and I would say over the last year, it's been quite a few people in the sense of losing connection. And we want to see people come back and for those of you online, I want to invite you back to the house. We'd love to have you. We'll make room. We've got just about enough room for a few more people today. We'll make more room. So we'll do what we have to do to accommodate, but we'd love to have you back. Time to come home, come back to the house. So anyway, anybody you're praying for for a reconnect, you can put that on there. So we're going to take a moment and pray for that. And we always want to lift up and pray for the churches in our community as we're their biggest cheerleader, we're their biggest fan. Wouldn't it be amazing to say about Fredericksburg, Texas, that every church is overflowing. Every church is having to add services and chairs and space because God is on the move in Fredericksburg, Texas. Amen. So let's pray for our churches and we want to pray for our nation as well. God help us. We need prayer, right, as a nation. So let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful that you put people on our heart and in our lives. Lord, you position them uniquely in our lives so that we will pray for them and, and where we have a chance to offer good news in the form of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we pray for those on our VIP card and those that, for whatever reason, they're not walking with you right now, but we pray for them and hold them up. Say, Lord, bring 
bring them home. Bring them home. We pray for the churches throughout our community that are gathering right now and getting ready, just like us. They're gathering and they're starting their services. Lord, we bless them. We speak life over them. And God, I would ask for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon our community and the outlying communities as well, that we would experience revival and spiritual awakening, Lord, and, and your tangible presence, that Christ would be in us the hope of your manifested presence, the hope of glory. So we pray for our churches gathering even now. We also pray for our nation, Lord. We need your help. Our heart, as our declaration is, is to be one nation under God, indivisible, undivided, liberty and justice for all. But we want to be a nation once again under you. So I would ask God, Father, by your grace, that you would release spiritual awakening over our nation through our government, Lord. Your word says that we're to pray for those in authority, to pray for those in government. So we pray, Lord. Pray for our president, our vice president. We pray for all of those, Lord, for righteousness. We bless them and place them under your canopy of justice. And we say your will be done, Lord. We love you and honor you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Be sure and pick one of those up. Don't forget. And then also our safety team always appreciates it when I point out the exits in the room. So right there, I feel like that... <laughs> the lady on Southwest Airlines, but right there, you can see our exit doors are right there. We have another exit out behind the sound booth, and then out those back double doors, there are also exits out that way, so we appreciate our safety team, and I know that helps them, and just to let you know what's going on, uh, we have our uh, Connect Group Leader Lunch coming up. This will be on March 21st. You can register online. If you are a Connect Group Leader or if you're interested in leading a group and ready to connect, regather, and get together, then come to that. There'll be a great meal. Always have great food at those. Child care is available. We just need to know you're coming so that we can prepare for that. And uh, again, that's on March 21st. And then first, our first, I don't want to say first annual, our first men's breakfast. Our mighty warriors here, our men gathering together for the first time for breakfast. And Pastor Jason's going to be leading us in that. We've got some guys already lined up. They'll be cooking some great food. We've got good food coming March 27th, 9 a.m., and uh, we'll meet right here at the church. So make plans to be here. That's 9 o'clock. The day's half gone by then. Amen, brothers? So, uh, <laughs> so we'll see you at 9 o'clock on March 27th. That's going to be great. No need to sign up. Just show up, and let's have a great time together. And then one last, just a little, uh, just an update. Last week, we held our Bridge Life membership class, and we had 23 people join the bridge last week. Can we welcome our new people? Amen. Love it. We'll do another one uh, not too far down the line. We'll have another one because I know folks are really coming back right now, so, so we're going to need to make room for more, which we'll do, so we'll have another one of those. So plan, make plans if you haven't done that to step in and jump in with us. So anyway, love to have that. I want to shift gears now and participate. And for those of you online, you can get ready for communion as well. But we want to always take time. And I mean time. And we're not here to rush through anything. We're here to say this is valuable to us. And that is to acknowledge, to value, to remember Jesus, and to celebrate our union with him, our union in Christ. What a privilege that he gives us to allow us to come into his life. Of course, we know he comes into ours, right? We're born again. He takes up residence in us by his spirit. He comes upon us by his spirit, immerses us in his spirit. But also, we're in him. We're seated in Christ. And it's an amazing, beautiful exchange that happens. And so we take time to celebrate that because it's important.
And he said, when you come together like this, like what? In fellowship, in koinonia, as a family, when you come together like this, he said, I want you to take time to remember me. So that's what we're doing here today. And so if you didn't get a cup, if you'll lift up your hands and raise them really high, we'll get a communion cup to you. Just keep your hands up. We do practice open communion here at the bridge. And we're not keeping anybody away from Jesus' table. So you are welcome to participate with us. And if you never have, let this be your first time. All we ask is that you come to God with an open heart. Open heart. Open mind. Open heart. And say, Lord, I, don't, I may not even know anything about this, but I'm here. And let me tell you something. He'll meet you. He'll meet you at your point of initiation, your point of movement, your point of faith. So if you already have yours, if you will, go ahead and open that top layer first, the clear one. And then you can peel back the gold layer next. Now we'll expose the wine juice. Juice. So when Jesus is with his disciples. Now, we always blow through these scriptures like this, we're just running and gunning. But I want, I want you to hear the first few words. When Jesus was with his disciples, he was with them. They had spent some three years together on this incredible journey, moving at the pace of grace, three miles per hour. I mean, three miles per hour for three years. That's a lot of walking and talking. And in that context and over that time, they got to see miracles. They got to see Lazarus raised from the dead. They got to see uh, blind Bartimaeus healed by the roadside. I mean, they got to see the things that, that are mind-bending and mind-blowing. And we get caught up in those epic things, and we should celebrate them. But there were a lot of ordinary miracles that happened along the way. A lot of things that happened in the context of just everyday life. Provision, a coin in a fish's mouth. Provision, an open door, a place to sleep. Food to eat. Everywhere they went, they met people. Children that came to them people that needed help, and all along the way, they executed moment after moment after moment, being fully immersed in the moment. They did life with people for three years, and here they are on the night before he gets betrayed, and he's sitting with them, and he's enjoying their fellowship. He says, when you come together like this, I want you to remember me, and he took a piece of bread, and you can take that out if you'd like. He took a piece of bread, and he held it before him. He said, this is my body given for you. I always reiterate this because I think it's a critical point. They didn't take his life. He gave his life. There's a big difference. So he's with them, and he's saying, I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to lay it down. He took up a common cup, a goblet of wine similar to the one you see on the screen, and he held it before him, and he said, this is my blood. This is my blood poured out for you. And it will be for the removal of many sins. Remember what the Old Testament said? That so far has he removed our iniquities. As far as the east is from the west. Jesus finalized that when he spilled his blood for us on the cross. And he really put the nail in it when he was resurrected three days later. So he's with them and he says this is about to happen. And here we are. And they partook of what we now call the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table together, communion. So would you bow your head and close your eyes?
And would you just use your sanctified imagination for a minute and just picture yourself just laying your heart open to him, whatever that might look like to you. That might be a funny picture or a strange picture, but just picture yourself saying, my heart's yours. My heart is open. Lord, examine my heart. Do a surgical strike and examine it, Lord. There's nothing, there's anything in here that's not of you, Lord. I, I want it eradicated. I want it gone. So, Lord, we're before you, and we just say thank you, and we remember you. Thank you for mercy. Thank you for grace. Thank you for dunamis, for your power. You give us the ability, the empowerment to live above the fray of this life, above the noise and chatter of this world. Thank you for victory in Jesus. That's not just 475 in the Broadman hymnal. That is victory. That is life. That is real. It's tangible. We thank you for that. And we remember Jesus, what you did for us. In Christ's name, amen. You can take the elements. Our folks are going to come around. They've got trash receptacles, so hang on to those, and you can put those in there as they come through, and be sure and do that. We're going to also dismiss our children to go to their Bridge Kids classes. We want to pray for the next generation, so let's pray for them right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our young people. We're thankful for our children and our students, our youth. Father, we speak life over the next generation. Encourage their teachers, their leaders. Uh, our pastors that shepherd them as well. Bless and encourage our parents, Lord. We hold them up. World changers, difference makers, culture shapers. We speak life over them in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen and amen. Let's go ahead and clap for our children as they head to their classes. So we also hear during this time in the context of worship. In celebration, we practice generosity, the giving of our tithes and our offerings, and the privilege that we have of coming and saying, Lord, what you've given to me, it was yours all along, but here it is back, and take it and use it. Use it to make a difference, to make a difference in this world. And I want you to get your eyes on our screen because these are the ministries we are blessed to support and participate and partner with. And I want you to just maybe a name, a ministry name stands out to you. Get that on your mind. We're going to pray for them even as we prepare our hearts to give. I always want to say thank you for giving. If you're giving today and came prepared, we don't pass the plate here, but we do have black boxes around the exits there and the doors. And during this time of worship, we're going to introduce a new song to you that we want you to lean into. It's an easy song to learn, so you'll be able to sing right along. And as we do that, I want those of you that came prepared to give to go, and you can give your offering there. And as you do, would you bless it and pray over it and just say, Lord, I ask you to bless this, speak life over this, and take it where it needs to go. So again, let's pray together, and then let's worship together. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Father, we love you and honor you and bless you, and we welcome you. Thank you for the privilege of giving, the privilege of sowing. We sow good seed into good ground, and believe for a great harvest. We do it by faith in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Let's all stand together.
Spirits out, rushing with fire of God, fall within. Holy Ghost, breathe on us, we pray. As we repent and turn from sin, revival embers smoldering. Breath of God, fan us into we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven. Pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out. Oh, pour your spirit Church, you bear your light, lamp of flame, city bright, king and kingdom, come as what we pray. And we need a fresh wind, the fragrance of heaven, pour your spirit out, pour your spirit out.
presence. Just keep that going, Russ. We're just here before you as sons and daughters, Lord. Our hearts are open. Our lives are open. Our minds, our bodies, our spirit. We're just open before you. We're here as family. We're not here for a production or a show. We're here, Lord, because we love you. We're here because we love each other. We're here because there are people out there that we love and we want to see come into a knowledge of you, to know you. As the missionary Paul, the apostle, the missionary said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. That's our heart, God. Our heart is to know you. So, Lord, in this time we have together, even as we open our hearts and our minds to the word, we say, Lord, open our eyes that we may see. Would you open our ears that we may hear? And would you open our spirit? that we may know the truth that makes us free. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed, Lord. We lean into that. We welcome that. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. You can be seated if you'll turn your attention to the screen. So over the last few weeks, in fact, this has been going on for quite some time, and I don't know about you, but during this last year, I've kind of lost track of time here and there. I don't know if I'm the only one who's kind of lived in this fog for a year and almost like, what happened? Where did that year go? So we've been doing this thing called redigging the wells. The idea there is that we're going back to places where we found life. It's not just trying to re replicate or reproduce the past. We're not longing for something that left. What we're looking for are things that produce life in us 
uncovering and redigging those wells to see if there's still any life in them because there are. Some of those wells get covered over. They get covered over by life. They get neglected. As they get neglected, debris collects. And that just works in, in real life, in the physical world, but it works in our spiritual life as well. So one of the areas that has been such a massive impact on me through the years is really the contemplative life, the mind, the learning that, that I have been given a mind and I can sanctify that before the Lord. He sets it apart. I can consecrate it to him, which means to say, I'm giving you this. And in the context of those things happen, I've learned, I've grown and, think, and continue the growth track. It's a trajectory that I'm on. And I want to invite you to enter in as we continue to navigate and talk about some of these things. So this last week, I kind of talked about a tool that has become something for me as a massive help. You know, in any trade that you're in, my granddad was a cabinet maker, and he always had a cabinet shop. And I grew up around the smell of burning wood and sawdust and the sound of table saws, probably why my hearing's not the best right here. But I grew up in that environment of shops and hammers and nail guns and, and all kinds of crazy stuff way back before OSHA was involved with some of that stuff. I mean, I, I look back and go, what were we thinking? But I grew up in that environment. So what I learned was is that you needed, you're going to do the best job. You wanted the best tools, right? But here's the thing. That works in life too. It works in our spiritual life. And God has given us tools. He's given us things to help us along the way. Because I have to tell you something. I need help. I need help just like anybody else. So after affording myself to some of these tools, I want to encourage you because I hit on something last week that I sort of did it quickly, but I had people come to me later and say, would you revisit that for us? And it was this idea of pushing back, how to deal with temptation, how to deal with your emotions when you're under attack. So I'm going to go there, but I want to lay a little bit of groundwork before I do, because not everybody's been here the whole time. First of all, I want to welcome you back. If you haven't been here in a while, welcome home. Good to have you back. Nice to see you. And uh, let's just keep this going. So I want to talk about this idea of thinking well, living well. As the head goes, so goes the body. So we understand that how we think affects and impacts what we do and how we live. In cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, that's a, one of the most common uh, modalities in counseling and therapy. Uh, I love the idea because they've actually melded three disciplines together, cognitive being thinking, right? Uh, behavior, that, that's just the doing. And then therapy, that's the mindfulness, the idea of being present and being where you are. So you'll see a lot of Christian counselors and non-Christian counselors will lean into cognitive behavioral therapy because it's so well grounded. In fact, there's a lot of biblical grounding in that modality. So I, I want to peel a little bit of back for you because I think it's going to help you some. Thinking well, living well is this idea that if I can think well, if I can get my mind in the right place, it's going to help me to live this life. And I want to encourage you in this. You are not called to live underwater. That's a weird thing to say, right? But some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because you feel like you're living under your circumstances. You feel like you've lived your life underwater. If you've ever been in a swimming pool and you've been down in the deep end and you, you kind of drop down and then you look back up. Some of you have to think back on this one a while. But you look back up, remember, and it looked like it was glassed or mirrored almost when you looked up from the bottom of the pool. 
But a lot of people live their lives as though they're underwater. It, everything's distorted. The sound is warbled. Your view, your vision, if you don't have goggles on, is very distorted and blurry. And we go through life like that. And I have to encourage you in this. You were not called to live that way. That is not God's destiny for you. That's not God's heart for you. That is not God's will for you. God has so much more for you. In fact, he wants you to come out from under the water to breathe fresh air and to see with clear vision and to hear with crystal clear hearing that life is good. Come and see, come and taste that the Lord is good. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the enemy comes except to do these things, to steal, to kill, help me somebody, and to destroy. I love what Jesus says, but I came that you may have life. That Greek word is the word zoe. You may hear somebody, hey, your name's Zoe. It's zoe. And it literally means the God kind and the God quality of life. God, Jesus said, I've come that you may have zoe. The God kind and God quality, that you may have life. And I love the next line, and life to the full. Life and life of more abundance. Man, that is like, you're not just getting life, you're going to get the best life. So the question is, if you feel like you're living underwater, or you've grown up under a wet, hot blanket on an August day, anybody remember August around here? It's hard to when we just had snowpocalypse, what, two weeks ago? But it's coming, folks, we know. But to be under a wet, hot blanket on a, on a sweltering August day, some people have lived their entire lives that way. And it's time to throw the blanket off and see that there is a good life. God is good and he has good for you. Why? Because he's nuts about you. He's crazy about you. But we got to get our thinking right in order to live right. Because if this isn't right, nothing else is going to be. You have mind, body, and spirit. That is a three-legged stool. Have you ever tried sitting on a two-legged, on a three-legged stool that only had two legs? Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ludicrous to think of that. But how about sitting on a three-legged stool where one was not quite as long as the other, on an uneven floor? Never is quite right, is it? A lot of us live our lives where nothing is quite right. Everything's a little off-center. And God says, look, I've got something for you. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. That word follow, it means the word pursue. It means as to take over. That means he's going to overrun you with mercy and goodness. And some of you are going, I don't even know what that looks like. Good, you're in the right place. You're right where you need to be right now. So let's go there on thinking well, living well, because we cannot ignore the connection between mind, body, spirit. You just can't, because we're all, we're at three-legged stool. I've said this several times. I want to repeat it. Marcus Aurelius said this. The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. Think well, live well. Stinking thinking, stinking living. Zig Ziglar talked about we've got to get rid of stinking thinking. We've got to do a checkup from the neck up. He was all about that. All about that positive mindset, positive mental attitude. And you know what? He's right. If we're not thinking right then we're not going to live right or live well. Mindfulness is one approach to this, and it's part 
It's part of this whole idea. Listen to what it means. Is the intentional act of living and being fully aware, engaged and present in the moment. It is being given in any it is being in any given moment without judgment, accepting that moment as it is and appreciating it for what it is. It's clear to me that Jesus lived this way. Jesus was in the moment. How do I know this? Well, first of all, he couldn't be anywhere as fast as we were because Jesus lived life at three miles per hour. Three miles per hour. That is the average speed that a guy walks, a human being. We walk at three miles per hour. Jesus lived at three miles per hour. You could say that our God is a three-mile-an-hour God. And yet... In the scriptures, I've never seen or read or witnessed or anything in the scripture that indicates Jesus was ever rushed, ever anxious, or ever in a hurry. Jesus moved at the speed of glacier, three miles an hour. It's interesting. N.T. Wright, great theologian, brilliant theologian. He said this, God lived at a pace where we have to slow down to catch up. You see, while we're enjoying our cars and driving and flying, I mean, who wants to drive when you can fly? Come on now. It's just, it's not about the journey. It's about the destination. I just have to get there. I don't want to drive. I don't want to see anything. I just want to be there. And we've geared our mindsets to speed, pace. Running gun offense. Man, let's go. Let's do this. Go big or go home. I mean, we have created a culture where the expectation is fast. In fact, I wrote about it today. I want to share this. I called it, I do a devotional. I've written this for 15 years. I do it every day. I can count on one hand the times I've missed in 15 years. Every morning I get up and do this. Part of my spiritual discipline. And I publish it. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. I called this one today, three mile, three MPH God, three mile an hour God. I feel the need for speed. Tell me what movie that came from. Come on, somebody. Top Gun, Tom Cruise, right? Him and Goose. I mean, I feel the need for speed. That may work for a fighter jet pilot, but it doesn't translate well for the person who has chosen to walk with Jesus. Our culture lives with the urgency of a nervous squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. God, through his son, Jesus, shows us another way to live, an alternative to the frenetic pace and chaos of our world. The average human walks at a pace of three miles per hour. Jesus walked everywhere at a pace of three miles per hour. Nothing in Scripture indicates Jesus was ever in a hurry. He stopped, listened, ministered, unhurried, unrushed. And then I always do a little exercise or try to do a little application at the end of these. Pause, breathe, walk, don't run today. Be intentional in slowing your gait. That means take it out of overdrive. Ask, why am I in such a hurry? Have you ever just stopped and asked that question? 
You catch yourself going, running. Why? Because you're just used to doing it. And then to stop and say, what am I doing? Why am I in such a hurry? Maybe the lifeguards were right all along. Anybody remember what they said? Walk. Don't run. Anybody ever been yelled at by a lifeguard? I was a lifeguard. That was my, that was my line. I said that all day to probably some of you kids that, would, that insisted on running with, on the wet concrete with wet feet. Walk. Don't run. Listen to the scripture. Isaiah 30, verse 21. This is not on the screen. Or is it? It's not. Listen to this. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Run fast in it. No, that actually is not what it says. Your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Walk. Don't run. I don't know if you've noticed, but things are picking up around here. And I don't think it's just because of spring break. I'm glad for our retailers. I pray for you guys all the time. Lord, bless them. Give them more business and know what to do with. I pray. I pray for commerce and economy in our community, our county, our area, because God wants to bless. I believe that. And I believe. I lean in with him. But I've noticed something. The pace of cars on the road and the amount of cars on the road has greatly increased. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty happy about the loosening of some of these restrictions. Am I the only one who's a little bit happy about that? My gosh. We went to, we work out at Planet Fitness over in Bernie. We went in there, and for the first time, the sign said, mask up. And I got a little frustrated. I'm like, are you kidding me? It said, mask up. But then right below it, it said, as per the new mandate, how did it say? Oh, masks are recommended. Well, that's all I need right there. That might not be a green light, but it's getting there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, well, great. My mask goes in my pocket. And I tell you, I enjoyed my workout as a normal human being for the first time in 14 months. Now, people who need to wear a mask, wear a mask. But for those of you who don't, don't. And it felt so good and so refreshing to walk in. But I've noticed something. It's like as our restrictions are lifting, people are, the pace is picking back up. And i got to be honest, I was, had a thought. We were over in San Antonio, and the traffic was the worst I've seen in a year. I, and it was the middle of the day. I'm like, what is going on? Do these people not work? I mean, I'm like, what happened? It's like people are coming out from hiding. It's like they've unplugged from the matrix, and they're coming out. Coming out into sunlight after 14 months, you know, going, oh, I can't see, it's so bright. And it's like, I, man, just craziness. The pace was nuts. And I told Annette, I, and I had this thought, and I said, first of all, I'm so thankful to live in Fredericksburg. I'm so thankful for small town America. I'm done. I've lived in Dallas, Fort Worth. I've lived in Kansas City. We lived out in the LA area, LA, LA Empire. We lived out in um, Inland Empire. We lived out in in uh, Nashville, and, I, and when we moved here, we were done with all of that. So when we go to the city now, I feel, like, I feel like I've lived in small town all my life now because I can't stand it. But it was worse than I've seen it. And I told Annette, I, processing this thing, you know, I've learned some things through COVID, through the pandemic, through the quarantine, and then recently our Snowmageddon, where we had forced lockdown once again. And I have to tell you something. It wasn't all bad. We were forced to move life to the pace of a slow crawl. 
And I got to tell you something. I found some refreshment in that. I found some encouragement in that. It wasn't all bad. Now, it got old after six months because I was like, I thought this was going to last three weeks. But it finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm ready to get moving again. But here's the thing I don't want to happen. I don't know about you if you've even thought about this, but maybe we should. Have you thought about this? Is it your desire to go back to the frenzied, frenetic pace that you were living at before? Or have we maybe learned something about the value of slowing down a little bit? Living in the moment, living mindful, being aware of the time that we're in, in the moment that we're in. I said this last week, but it's worth repeating. When we continue to live in, my, in a mindset of I'll be happy when... I'll be happy when I get over there. I'll be happy when I graduate. I'll be happy when I get a raise. I'll be happy when I'll be happy when we move. I'll be happy when when we live that way, we miss the myriad of opportunities that are right in front of us in the moment that we're in right now. Man, I don't want to wake up at 70, 80, 90 years of age. God lets me live that long. I don't want to wake up and think, "Oh my goodness." I missed 25 years because I was so waiting for something to happen and not living in the moment, the gift of the moment that God gave me. This is how I see Jesus living his life, fully aware, eyes wide open, in the moment, acutely aware and attentive to the people that were right in front of him. Leo Bobata is a blogger, author, And he writes about this idea of meticulous attention. Where you're so focused and engaged with what's right in front of you, you never miss a moment. I know you parents have looked up and you've seen your children grow up and you're like, what happened? I feel like I missed their whole, some of their teenage years you might have wanted to miss, maybe even intentionally did. But you wake up and you think, where did it go? Where did time go? And I know some of you are sitting here in your 60s, 70s, and 80s, and you're going, life is life blew by. But can you imagine the power, the empowerment that it would bring to be mindful and in the moment, to live and value what's right in front of you and value the people that God has put right in front of you to give meticulous attention to them in that moment. I believe Jesus lived that way. Listen to this in the word. Romans 12, 2. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world. Now, we default when we read a verse like that. We go into religious mode. and They go, oh, the sin of the world. Oh, the dirty, rotten scoundrels. Oh, my gosh, those sinners and heathens and pagans. You know, that we just default to that. and We miss the subtleties of Scripture. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Behavior and customs. Behavior like frenetic living. Bigger, better, more. We got to get more, grab more, take more, have more. Never content with the place that we're at. That, to me, is the behavior and customs of this world as much as it is the blatant sin. He says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. That means to change your form, to change you. 
to change you, the form, even the way you look to transform you where you're not even recognizable anymore. Let God transform you, change your form into a new person by what, family? Help me. Changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This gives the idea that until we are transformed by changing the way we think, we won't know. <laughs> we won't learn to know God's will for us, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Colossians chapter 3, if then you have been raised with Christ, that means if you are a child of God, that means you've been raised up, seated with him in heavenly places. The scripture tells us your identity is in him. You're secure in him. If that's you, then here's what you're supposed to do. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind, your minds on things that are above, not on things on the earth. Now, he's not saying not on that person that's in front of you. Because what are the kinds of things that are in heaven that we're supposed to bring to earth? It's the power of relationship. That is why this all got started. God wanted fellowship. He wanted connection. And so he allowed us to populate a planet. And he says, set your mind on things above. What are the things above? It's that power. It's that relationship. It's that connection. Those are the things that are above. We think, oh, it means I, I just need to set my mind on heaven. Forget the world. It's going to hell in a handbasket anyway. Anybody else have a grandfather that said that? Anybody said that lately and thought, I sound just like my grandfather. <laughs> I did that the other day. It was kind of half joking because we saw something on TV. I said, the world really is going to hell in a handbasket. I said, oh, my gosh, since I saw my granddad. It's not God's intent for the world to go to hell in a handbasket. Jesus came to save this place Amen. and save these people. So heaven on earth looks like people getting saved, looks like regeneration, rebirth, life. That's what it looks like. That's what he's calling for. Set our minds on that. 2 Corinthians 10, 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means they're not of this world. They're not fleshly. They're not what you can see. It's not a sword and a scabbard. It says they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, attachments, things that connect to us, things that hold us down, that anchor us in a bad way, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing, listen to this, this is key, bringing every thought, there's the mind again, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now listen to the, the Passion Translation, how it says that same verse, we capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Oh man, I love that. We take every thought captive and we insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one, to Jesus the Christ. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer, petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Verse 7, the peace of God which passes or transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, listen to this. Think with, your, think with your mind here. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think. That word used there for think in the, in the original language is the word meditate. It means to dwell upon, linger with. Think, dwell on, linger 
on and about such things. Again, the power of the mind. The little exercise I wanted to help you with, something that's been a huge help for me in my life. And I call it just pushing back. That's it. It's just simple. It's not, it's, there's probably a name in the therapeutic world. Susan can help me with that later. There's probably a name for this, but, but I've learned this, this, it's a tool. Good tools help you do a better job on the job on the, on the work you're doing. And here it is. And I, I shared this last week, but I want to go a little deeper with it just so you'll have it. So here it is. Let's say this week I got mad. I got frustrated. Had a little outburst. Threw a little temper tantrum. <laughs> I know. It was very childlike. And I did. I just had one of those moments. I know. Shock and awe. Pastor Jimmy, hello. I'm just like you, you guys. So I don't get a pass. So, so I had a moment. And, uh, and then I had a choice after I had a moment. Because now I had anger before me. I got mad. Let me just say this. I wasn't angry. I got mad. There's a difference, and that's a semantical. I'm intentional in what I say. I am not angry, but I did get mad. See the difference? I don't identify with it. Now, here's how I can do that and why it helps me not live under the burden of I need to beat myself up. So I got mad, got frustrated, and I get alone. I, get, I just immediately get to a place. Now, I do this pretty naturally now, so, but I'm going to break it down a little more mechanically. And what I do is, I, in my mind, my sanctified imagination, I picture myself sitting at a table. And on that table are all kinds of emotions that are available to me. There's anger, rage, sadness, regret, judgment. I mean, you just, I just I talk about a banqueting feast that I can feast upon. And I sit down at the table. I'm sitting there, and anger presents itself right in front of me. And it looks like a honey-glazed ham. Come on now. It's got pineapples with cherries on it. The glaze is gla It is so tempting to partake of that anger because it's right there. I've got a fork and a knife and a big pile of rolls over here on the side. I'm in keto, so that's even more crazy. But it's all right there. It looks so good. I know it's going to taste good. And I have a moment there where I call it what it is. And in my mind, I say, that's anger. That is anger. And then I say this, that's not me. It's an emotion. I am not that. In fact, I don't judge the emotion at all. I put it there, and I keep it, and I push back from the table, and there while it's on the table, I say, that's not me, it's not mine. And I have a choice. I can partake of it, or I can leave it sitting on the table. And In that moment, it's like you give God just enough space, just enough space so that you can make a good decision on what you're going to do with that. It's not me. It doesn't define me. I don't judge it. It's not good or bad. It is just an emotion. And I say this, it is what it is. When I'm able to objectify an emotion like that, I sit with it. It's there. I'm feeling it. But now I'm able to push back from it and objectify. And once I get to that point, that's all the space the Holy Spirit needs to give me the ability to choose different. And I walk away and I say, I'm a child of God. I'm so loved by God, it's amazing. And I began to go through the scripture and think about how God sees me. He loves me, he values me, he cares. 
And you know where I leave that honey-glazed ham with pineapples and cherries on it? I leave it back on the table. And I walk away. Now, I've done that enough that it's pretty natural now. It just happens fairly. It's a pretty quick thing. But I wanted to lay that back out because several have written me and said, would you lay that back out because that, I, I get that. That's helpful. So I hope that helps you. All it is is a tool to help you push back and to not be defined by the emotions you feel. But also not to always judge the emotions you feel because they're just what they are. They're emotions. And they're real. Do you know God gave you emotions? He gave them to you. They're a gift. They're what help us enjoy beauty and embrace life and enjoy connection and relationship and fellowship and food and all those wonderful things are all connected. But the enemy loves to pervert, contaminate, stain, and destroy and distort the gifts that God has given us. Amen? I want to invite our worship team to come up. We're going to go out with worship. In fact, why don't we go out by raising a hallelujah? Let's go out by, man, just embracing the goodness of God and the fact that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, thank you for tools. Thank you for weapons of warfare that you give us according to your word. And Father, I pray for my friends here. Lord, I pray that you will give us the grace to navigate our emotions and the things that come into our minds that are there to destroy and to dominate. And I would ask, Father, that you would give us grace to only identify ourselves as the sons and daughters of God that we are. I pray for open hearts and open minds. While you're sitting there in just this moment, would you ask the Holy Spirit, who's the teacher to, to literally seal what you need to take away from today. Just as a student, just say, as a disciple, say, Lord, what do you want me to take away from today? Would you do that just right now? And then while you're there, would you just thank him? Say, Lord, thank you for the grace to live above the line, to live above the fray, above the noise. Thank you for the grace to live in victory. We're going to sing a song. We're going to worship together. And after we're done, I'm going to invite anybody who wants to come forward for prayer. We're going to have our, our guys up here at front. And if you need prayer for any reason, feel free to come forward after we finish. Let's all stand together. Let's go out with a hallelujah.
Father, we love you. We honor you. Lord, thank you for tools. Thank you for wisdom. Thank you that you give us a sanctified mind. We set it apart for your glory, for your use. Even as we navigate the things that will come this week, that you would give us grace and recall and understanding to implement and use these tools that you've given us. 
We honor you, Jesus. We bless you. And Father, if there be anyone here or anyone watching online that today needs to take a step, a step along the path, along the journey, a step closer to you, Lord. Father, we open that potential up. We open that opportunity up today. And if you're here this morning and you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, feel free to come forward. We're here for you. We love you. Have a great week. God bless you.